welcome to the Healerology Podcast. This is a show about healing, healers, and methods to dissolve emotional, physical, and spiritual challenges. I'm your host, Dominic, a student of life, a sharer of knowledge, and a guide to achieving inner peace. The goal of this show is to teach you how to become your own healer, discover and connect to the power inside of you, and live your best life. So, let's get to healing. Hello, everyone. This is Dominic, the Inner Peace Advisor, and I'm here today with Christina Casado. And we're going to talk about a variety of things, one of them being healing. Uh, what is good health? How does one uh, maintain it? How does one get back to good health if one hasn't um, uh, ex- experienced that? And you know, I could go through all these introductions, but I, and I know I'm going to botch it. So instead of that, I'm just going to say, Christina, why don't you introduce yourself and, and tell us a, a little bit about yourself? Thank you, Dominic. Yes, my name is Christina. Um, Christina Casado, and I'm an acupuncture physician, and that is my current occupation and my current direction in life. Um, I own and operate a clinic here in Miami, actually in a region called Coconut Grove in Miami, called the Treehouse Acupuncture and Wellness Center. And I practice a Japanese style of acupuncture. Um, My teacher is Kiko Matsumoto, so I'm in the lineage of uh, one of the Japanese masters of acupuncture, and she was really influential for me um, in arriving where I am with my practice and in my approach to healing. And I also am a Chinese medical herbalist. Um, I've been studying plants since I was a little girl, and I actually became a botanist, and there's lots of interesting trajectories to my career there. Um, but for the most part, right now, I am uh, spending my time as an acupuncture physician and and working with uh, the population here in Miami, so. Right, good. Yeah. So, so um, I, this is probably more for me than anyone else listening. So, you know, act, acupuncturist. So uh, when I think about that, I think uh, small, tiny needles in, in the skin, maybe spread out around. And I've heard various theories about why they work because they're, you're hitting meridians, um, pressure points, you're moving energy in, in the body. Um, what what is acupuncture? Sure, it it's a common question, and I've come up with a very simple answer. <laughs> so yes, there are small needles. Um, I practice Japanese style specifically because they are the thinnest and um, most painless needles in the industry. So for the Western world, you know, we're kind of afraid of needles. So um, I use very thin hair like almost as thin as a hair. They're almost invisible. Almost invisible. <laughs> they're very, very tiny. Uh, thin needles. And they're inserted in, inserted in different parts of the body that are impacting the function and the condition of different channels of the body, which are like the meridians that you talked about, and also generally affecting different systems of the body. So in short, acupuncture is the insertion of small needles into specific points of the body to increase the flow of oxygen and blood through all of the systems to impact the nervous system and to improve all of the other, for example, the digestive, the endocrine and the circulatory systems of the body to 
a state of balance or homeostasis. So that's kind of the, the sum total. At a minimum, it's a mechanical um, activity. So it's, it's a mechanical modality where you physically insert something into the body. And so when the body realizes that there's a needle or some foreign object in it, it will react. It will say, hey, there's that's not supposed to be there. That's not me. And there will be some kind of flow, whether it be fluids or blood or white blood cells or any other kind of um, component and chemicals in the body that will come to repair the tissue that has been damaged by this needle inserting the body. And that begins a cascade of all sorts of chemistry and all kinds of impacts to the systems of the body. And so we use different protocols or different systems, specific points and specific regions in order to affect these kinds of changes. So I don't know if that kind that's, of sums it up a little. That's really helpful. You know, as, yeah. you, were, as you were talking, mm -hmm. I was thinking that, wow, this sounds so logical mm -hmm. and rational and straightforward. But I also had this recollection of like, we didn't start with acupuncture in, in the West. I think it has a history of, yeah. There wasn't credibility. People said like, "There's nothing here. It's all in the head." Type stuff. Sure. And I'm I'm very taken with your your description. Sounds like I want acupuncture. Now. Well. <laughs> um, so what, what's what's been the, the the history of it? Am, am I right in terms of it, it not being accepted before? And now it's like more mainstream. So acupuncture arrived on the scene officially in the United States in the '70s. Um, the story goes that President Nixon at the time went over, the U.S. President Nixon went over to China. And it was when the United States began relations with China after World War II and like the history of, of what happened in Europe. Um, so as an effort to start opening conversations with China, his visit included various cultural experiences, one of which was to go to a Chinese hospital and observe a surgery that was being performed without anesthesia, a chemical anesthesia, but using acupuncture as anesthesia. Mm. And it was um, different points on the body that were being stimulated manually and also with machines in order to create enough of, a, of an anesthesia so that the, the patient wasn't feeling that they were experiencing surgery. Um, this is a practice that's done in China for a variety of reasons. Some people are allergic to anesthesia. Some people don't want to, you know, have the recovery from anesthesia. And some, some surgeries are simple enough to be able to do it. Dentistry is also pretty familiar with using acupuncture as anesthesia. But that was the introduction of acupuncture into the United States. And in fact, today, many of the insurance plans won't cover <laughs> acupuncture as like what I just told you, which is, you know, to kind of heal various systems of the body, but they will cover acupuncture for anesthesia, which I am an acupuncturist and I will not you won't do it. Do it. <laughs> so, which I think is just a curiosity, and maybe that's just me, you know. But uh, yeah, the thought of like, you know, I, we have access to perfectly good anesthesia. Put, put, you can put needles in people and then cut them and see what happens. And see so, what happens. Yeah, won't, won't do it. Gotcha. Right, but but you know, it's it's a story, and and apparently, um, I actually did a little bit of research on it at one point, as I tend to do, and it was a doctor from I believe oh, I want to say Illinois. I want to say it's definitely one of the, the Midwestern states that had done some work in China and he had brought back the reports. Mm -hmm. And this was in earlier, like in the late 50s, mm -hmm. had back the reports that acupuncture was being used for anesthesia and especially for cardiac 
surgery when he's a cardiologist. And so that was interesting. And so that report kind of made its way through, um, I think maybe even to the CDC and then ultimately, you know, became part of President Nixon's trip. Um, but and then the, it made it to your desk. And it made it to my desk, yes. Uh, but that's the history of, the, of acupuncture in the United States. There's also, you know, the, the, the larger overarching fact that acupuncture has been practiced for thousands of years in Asia. The idea is that um, we have a 2,000-year-old classical text called the Neijing, um, the Huangdi Neijing, which is the treatise of the classic for the, of the Yellow Emperor, which is a text that was written by a doctor 2,000 years ago and his case studies working with one of the emperors of China. And this is the first book. And then there's a variety of other classics that were written around the same time that describe acupuncture as a practice, the meridians or the channels of the body, um, the organs, how they interrelate, uh, different things that can be treated, um, and the, the philosophy of what we call classical Chinese medicine or classical East Asian medicine is like the going term these days, um, where, and in a nutshell, we have 12 uh, channels that go through the body that have points on them. We have eight other channels that have control points, but that don't have points along them. And those are the channels that go through the body. They go through different organs. They affect different functions. Um, and we can treat anything from them, like use, you know, using them. Essentially, it's an interconnection of all the systems of the body and all the functions of the body. Um, would it, would it be yeah, sure. fair to say, and, and I don't want to take away from it, that you're, you're, you're a very knowledgeable, well-trained mechanic of the body? Yes. Actually, that's exactly what I always say. I say, I'm a mechanic, and I can figure out kind of what's going on using this system. Um, and along the same lines, um, th there's a, a whole spiritual element that you know we can discuss as well, which I think is really integral to healing. We must, and we absolutely must. Uh, but to to discuss the the physical part, the mechanics, um, Chinese medicine, we can have it's a it, two thousand plus years of information, of texts, of experiences, of of people getting sick throughout Asia. Um, different kinds of infections, different kinds of, of uh, you know, uh, epidemics and outbreaks. I mean, so these are doctors. So they're going to be responding, just like doctors do today, to whatever is happening in society. So all of Chinese medicine is really riddled with a ton of different philosophies, lots of different approaches, and different schools of thought. This is a very ancient concept. But the one thread is that all of Chinese medicine is... is at best, uh, or, or at a minimum, uh, a diagnostic system. So part of the reason that it hasn't been that well accepted in the West is because we take things at face value here. So we're accustomed to saying, oh, um, if I, so for example, one of the diagnoses in Chinese medicine might be, you have kidney qi deficiency. So that means that the energy or the life force of your kidneys is deficient. And this might be causing lower back pain, maybe some knee pain. It could be causing hair loss. It could be causing infertility. It could be causing a variety of things. In, but in, in, the, in the West, I'm thinking, what's chi? What's chi? And yeah. also, what's wrong with my kidneys? Yes. Right? You know, like, chi, yeah, we'll talk about it. But how, what the heck is wrong with my <laughs> kidneys, woman? Like, <laughs> that's scary, right? Well, you know, it's a diagnostic system. It's not that straightforward. 
there's nothing wrong with your kidneys. And chi, we can totally have that discussion as well because chi is, is essentially a, a, the Asian word, the Chinese word for life force, energy. Uh, it's also prana in Ayurveda or in India um, and in, in you know, European terms, it's spirit. You know, it's essentially the spirit of what animates this machine that, that we occupy. Um, so, you know, Chinese medicine um, is a huge, huge uh, classical body of, of evidence-based medicine that has been practiced for thousands of years in different conditions throughout Asia and moved around from what we call now China through Japan, through Korea, through Thailand, through Vietnam, down through India, back up, and you'll see all of those, and maybe even out into the Middle East, um, before we had boundaries for where we consider these countries are now, mostly moved by monks and by other religious uh, peoples that are moving from monastery to monastery with these ideas and with, um, and with the medicine. So, you know, it, it's, it's a historic, uh, as far as I can tell, the most historic type of medicine that continues to be practiced very similarly in the same way that it was 2000 years ago, which is a great indication that it works. You know, we haven't switched it, we haven't changed it. It's evolved and we have different words for it, but you know, this is, these diagnostic systems are very rigorous and, uh, and repeatable and give us incredible information to heal pretty much anything. Um, so, so yeah. you know, I'm, let's say mm. I'm in the West, yeah. of the West, um, you know, I've grown up was with a concept of doctor knows what's best. Um, I go to the doctor, doctor tells me what's wrong and gives me a prescription mm. or performs some, some type of, of surgery. How, how should I look at acupuncture in terms of Okay, now I have this awareness. When should it pop up on my radar screen um, when I'm experiencing, we'll say, some malady? When should it pop up on my radar screen to say, I, I think I'm going to see an acupuncturist? Right. So I, I, one of my teachers once said something really wise to me. Um, and she said, you know, you get sick, you take medicine, you get better. Sometimes you get sick you do nothing, you still get better. Mm-hmm. You know, the body tends toward homeostasis. Um, similar to, to one of the things that I love that, that you say is that we, our natural state is peace. Yeah. <laughs> you know? we'll, we'll keep going back right. to that. We'll yeah, keep going thank, back thank to you that. for putting it in there. Yeah. Hopefully that'll spread. Yes, hopefully Share that. with your patients. I, well. I sure will. And, <laughs> and I, I love that you say that, that the, our natural state is peace because our, our body's natural state is homeostasis. What happens is that when you end up uh, at the doctor in a Western medicine system, that homeostasis has been shifted and your mm-hmm. body is out of balance. It's no longer in homeostasis because you're symptomatic and you're feeling not okay, like you're feeling sick. Mm-hmm. Um, acupuncture, what it does is allow the body to receive unobstructed free flow of oxygen chi, which we can also discuss, blood and fluids to the tissues, the organs, and all the systems of the body. And also acupuncture has an effect on the body using its own natural neurological um, reactions to flip 
our neurological system and reset it. So frequently, disease is rooted in an imbalance of our autonomic nervous system and a obstruction in one of the other systems of the body, whether it's endocrine, circulatory, um, or digestive, where blood and fluids and oxygen are not properly being delivered. Hi there, this is Dominic, and I'm interrupting my own podcast to bring your attention to my four-week one-on-one coaching program. This program is for women who need dating results that are different and better than the ones they're getting. Let me help you with all my tools of self-development, spirituality, and hundreds of client engagements to transform you into a woman that dates with confidence and joy and easily attracts the partner that is perfect for you. Dating can be fun and you can be successful at it every time. Let me show you how. To learn more, go to my Instagram at innerpeaceadvisor and click the link in my bio or just DM me. Can, can you go back and say maybe say something a little bit more about the autonomic nervous system? Sure. You know, I, it keeps popping up for me and... Mm-hmm. You know, you, you hear that there's two parts to the autonomic nervous system. There's a sympathetic, there's a parasympathetic. Right. Um, there's this person, Bruce Lipton, out there, wrote right. a book called Biology of Belief. He's very much into epigenetics, and he says that essentially our, our autonomic nervous system is, is out of whack mm-hmm. because uh, a lot of things that, say, are emotionally based, our environment, so if we're constantly in, say, fear or, like, anger, we're, that is putting pressure that takes our autonomic system out of balance and so now you're talking you know acupuncture and how that kind of restores it can you say a little bit more about that sure um to 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 backtrack and and define the autonomic nervous system um we have we have two settings you know you could say that the autonomic nervous system is kind of like your your um the heart like the 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 processor like of like if we're a computer then it's it's the processor Mm -hmm. and when there is activity that we need to pay attention to. So this could be something like running for working out or running away from danger or uh, thinking really hard about a deadline or even feeling the fear that there's a deadline looming that we're not going to meet or driving in Miami traffic (laughs) or, you know, essentially experiencing stressors from the outside world the sympathetic nervous system is engaged. So what does that mean? There's a cascade of chemistry in the body that is released in order to engage and to sustain the sympathetic nervous, the the autonomic nervous system in a sympathetic state. So you're pumping adrenaline through your body, your adrenals are moving, your heart race is increasing, you're probably warming up, so you feel a little bit of warmth, so the circulation, there's probably sweating. all of the blood goes to the muscles and away from the visceral organs, specifically away from the digestive system. Mm-hmm. The vagus nerve, which is one of the cranial nerves that um, controls digestion and it controls many other functions of repair, gets shut off because you don't need it when you're running away from danger. Okay. And so all systems are go. And you're also releasing cortisol, which a lot of people know as you know what causes people to have stress and gain weight and not be able to sleep well and all those things. So essentially stress hormones. Why? Because our body is under stress. Now this is a natural state to be in. 
So our body does have a way to repair from that. I shudder when you say that because I'm, I'm saying the natural state is peace. Yeah, I know. The natural so, state is with all these stress hormones. Right. So so this is a natural, well, it's a, it's a natural, it's natural for us to experience sympathetic state yeah. many times during the day. That yeah. is a normal thing. We're wired for that. The trick is to flip it back so that, you know, we need to then be able to turn the switch and go into rest and repair, which is the parasympathetic nervous system. Mm -hmm. In that state, our vagus nerve turns on, our digestion is happening, so we're extracting nutrients from the food that we're eating and we're processing waste and eliminating it. We're digesting the stress hormones that we've created, like cortisol and you know other kinds of uh, you know minerals that are in excess during um, you know a sympathetic state. Um, and we're also resting. We feel peaceful, we feel more quiet. We're able to sleep soundly and get deep and reparative sleep. Um, so that parasympathetic and the sympathetic nervous system should be flipping throughout the day and then at night in a parasympathetic state so that we can rest, repair, and renew and wake up refreshed and ready to take on that next day. So what happens in our current world is that we're not, we tend to be in a sympathetic state because of our environment and because of our relationship to our emotions and how we react to the environment. And so that is a, a very human experience, um, you know, called stress. Um, and even in Western medicine, stress is, there's evidence to show that stress is the root cause of many diseases. And we've known this in acupuncture for a long time. So, so maybe put like a little pin or flag on mm. this, on this focus on emotions. Mm. And I, I want to go back because I'm not sure if, if I actually heard why someone would say, oh, I'm going to explore acupuncture. Mm -hmm. you, you may have said it. I, I missed sure. it. I apologize. But. So that auto, that was a definition of the autonomic nervous system. Yes, <laughs> yes, it was. Everyone. That's what that was. Yeah, and I asked for it, and it was phenomenal. <laughs> that was so. very, very proud of I slipped it in well, after yeah. I asked the other yeah. question. So. so for sure. And then, um, and so what happens with acupuncture and, and uh, you know, with the experience of, of stress and how on a daily basis, uh, from what I hear from my patients are, I don't sleep well, my digestion is off, I'm bloated every time I eat, I get these headaches, um, you know, I, I feel anxiety, uh, I, you know, for some reason I feel off or I have physical pain in my body. Acupuncture will be a great way to address these complaints, especially in the beginning when they're acute or when um, when you become aware of them because mm -hmm. of the fact that acupuncture, the, the process of acupuncture, the protocols that we use encourage the body to flip states. So you'll flip into a parasympathetic state. So when you come to an acupuncture session, let's say you come in with shoulder pain and you like worked out really hard and you kind of threw your shoulder out a little bit and you've got like a contraction and it's like bothering your neck. You haven't slept well for a couple days and then now like, you know, you've been like super stressed at work and on top of that, your neck though is worst and you're not getting the reparative sleep and on top of that, you're stressed at work. Mm -hmm. That's a perfect, perfect storm right there to begin a chronic condition where you're constantly in a state of pain and like this little shoulder problem became the root of it. So what happens when you come into acupuncture? First of all, 
you start to relax. Like the the immediate diagnosis is okay. You've got you know blood circulation problems in the shoulder that's been pinging on something that's going up to the neck, and now it's causing all this other stuff. And, and why is the first thing you, you start to relax? Be, because because acupuncture needles being inserted into the body, although it may not be like intuitively obvious. <laughs> actually make the brain flip from sympathetic to parasympathetic specific needle points will encourage the body to start sending repair to these places where i'm damaging your tissue on a very microscopic level and that's going to engage the brain to say i need to repair this now i'm going to go parasympathetic and i'm going to send all my fluids there so your nervous system will immediately start to flip and all of a sudden, I'll be having a conversation with you, and you'll start getting really drowsy. And I was like, I'm kind of sleepy. That's so weird. And then you just start falling asleep. You, you might get an anesthesia. Yeah. It you sounds, might get a little anesthesia. Sounds like you're getting anesthesia. Yeah. So, um, you know, I guess in a typical visit, one of the earlier things that you mm-hmm. might do is start that relaxation process, mm-hmm. kind of like no matter what, because you know. Once you switch over the parasympathetic, repair is going to happen, which is always going to be good. It's always going to be good. And and flipping to parasympathetic in most cases, you know, like there's never 100%, mm-hmm. but in most cases is exactly what that patient needs for the body to start going, tending back toward homeostasis because the body has its own repair mechanisms. I mean, this is the thing that um, is a vision and, a, and a, a, a primary purpose of why I'm in medicine is to empower my patients to realize that you're in control of your health and your body has its own repair mechanisms and your job is to support that, is, is to put yourself in a state or to uh, you know, reach out for tools and for help in order to encourage your body to do what it naturally already does. Yeah. I, I, I like this uh, a, yeah. a lot, you know, obviously because it fits in with something <laughs> I'm already thinking, but getting back to that inner peace... Um, you know, it's it's the inner peace advisor because you know I'm 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 not the guru, I'm not the expert on it. Yeah. It's just kind of like this guide along the way, but it's um, really empowering people to mm. heal themselves, be in a certain state. You know, with without me, you know, the ideal state is is I eventually part ways with the people I'm working with because they're now at an operating state where all that internal self regulation right. is occurring without some conversation that we're having mm-hmm. or them reaching out to me and saying, mm-hmm. you know, quick, I'm, I'm, I'm in a moment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what, what do I do? Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the things that I really enjoy with my clients, at least to start, I don't want this to be continuous, is like we'll have a conversation. And they said, you know, I, I, was, I was in this situation and I heard your voice in my head. <laughs> and it was guiding me to, to think certain ways mm-hmm. or to respond certain ways and it, it, it was helpful but the, the voice I really want to be in their head is is, is their own voice right so um, maybe may, may we go deeper I'm not sure but you, you mentioned something about emotions and so right. I, 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 I get you the mechanics of the body and you're resetting systems again the systems work right. really well um, but emotions sound like, you know, very nebulous, you know, it's, it's, is there an emotional system in there the body? There is. And, and, you know, if, if, uh, I, I'm going to take an opportunity to, to finish up the mechanics first okay. because it kind of leads right into the emotions. So going back to these channels or meridians, which is what, what you said, which is where the points are that I'm needling in order to encourage the body to um, affect these states. Those channels discreetly go through different areas of the body. 
So like there's a channel that goes through your shoulder and then also goes all the way down your the side of your leg and, and comes out like the second toe to the, you know, the second to last toe. You know, that's the gallbladder channel and it goes over your head. And, and you know, so there's these channels that connect the body in different places. So you might have a headache on the temples, which we call a gallbladder headache because that's where the... Um, the channel is, right, that, that gallbladder channel goes around the temples and around the ear. So I'm going to treat the gallbladder channel points that are down by your feet to pull that, open that channel and to pull all that fluid and blood and chi, which we can definitely need to talk about chi in a minute, you know, so that you have opened up that channel and then that reduces the pain. That's a hard thing for Westerners to kind of get around you know, like wrap around our heads, like, ha, 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 like, so, so you know. So maybe, and the temples, is that like an accumulation of excess chi and fluid that's causing? That? Yes, and, and it could be, it could, it could be a vaso, a vaso um, constriction, or it could be a vasodilation, which means that the artery or the vessels, the veins are, are constricting or they're opening. And the impact of me needling some of the other points is to encourage those vessels to open, right? But understanding why I'm, needling something on your toe and it's causing an impact on your head that's that's difficult for westerners to understand but we understand it because there's a, a system mm -hmm. there's a diagnostic system that tells me the gallbladder meridian is there so if i treat the gallbladder meridian i'm going to affect a change in addition the gallbladder meridian is and this is where it's going to lead in and, th and there's a mechanics there right so mm -hmm. you know maybe you have shoulder pain and i'm going to needle like the muscles very locally there because you have pain and maybe like physically and mechanically release the muscle through like a contraction, like I can needle the muscle and it'll bounce because I've kind of stimulated the nerves and now your muscle's gonna be sore, but at least it's relaxed and open and you've got range of motion back. Mm -hmm. That's a mechanical thing, but I'm also gonna treat that meridian because that area keeps getting locked up. So how do these things work? So there's a diagnostic system connecting structure through these quote-unquote invisible lines because we've never been able to actually identify them in a actual um, structure of the body so, so so by that you're saying so we we, we someone someone's past you know body's been donated to science we open them up we're not going to see these these meridians and channels that you're talking we about? haven't found them yet there was okay. one study in korea where there was a rat uh, we identified uh, a, a membranes that couldn't be related to any other kind of vessels, and there was a, a posit that that was a, the, the meridians. We've never seen them in humans, and that was one study that I read, you know, saying, okay, well, maybe there's some kind of vessel. And that makes sense, like, from the literature. Like, I think maybe there's a vessel in there that's so delicate that when we do you know cut up on a cadaver that it's broken like we can't find them yeah. maybe future imaging you know we keep finding things in the future that like ancient wisdom becomes confirmed by science when we actually have the technology to all the time right yeah. <laughs> you know, like, so i'm hopeful yeah. but i can't tell you that no i there's no there's no concrete evidence for this my next guess is actually from the future oh so i'm so excited gonna ask me about these <laughs> i'm gonna give you a list of these questions <laughs> um but going back to your question about the emotion is that gallbladder meridian right that's causing you those headaches and maybe even like constricting your shoulder well that's in a different uh, system in Chinese medicine there's a system called the five elements and I call the five element system the psycho-spiritual concepts 
of Chinese medicine. This is getting woo. So like emotions, five elements, and now psycho-spiritual. So it's all related. So the five elemental system is the system through which we identify the relationship of emotions and spirit to what's physically happening in the body. And it's a classical concept from these classics 2,000 years ago plus, you know, that I mentioned. Um, And you might know some five-element acupuncture practitioners that only work on psycho-spiritual things, that work on the psychology and the emotions of the manifestation of disease. I'm a Japanese style, so I work on very discrete physical stuff, like um, I'm more of a, of a you know, clinician in that way that works on you know, problems with the body in the concrete sense of the body. However, in Chinese medicine, we can't ignore the emotions. It's integral to our diagnostic system. Mm-hmm. How? So the gallbladder meridian is paired with the liver meridian, which are two different or two different channels, but both are related as being part of the wood element. So there's five elements in Chinese medicine. There's wood, fire, earth, metal, and water. And each of those five elements have organs associated, um, which means also channels associated. There's a season, there's an emotion, there's an emotion that's a highest virtue and also an imbalance. So there's like two sides of the, of the same coin for the emotion. And there's also a sound, an odor, and a taste. And it goes on and on. So, you know, before you had described yourself, you know, kind of my prompting is like, mm-hmm. you know, a, a mechanic. Mm-hmm. Now as you start getting these elements, mm-hmm. do you still, would you count yourself as a mechanic? Or you're, you're getting more into like, a, a mystic. A <laughs> you know what's really funny is is in you know and I, I study in Asia and and there's something about culture. If you understand medicine or if, let's say to understand medicine, you must understand culture. Mm-hmm. So these concepts are embedded in Asian culture. You know Taoism, um, Confucianism, um, concepts of of even shamanic spirit is embedded in Asian culture. So it's kind of like you don't even need to explain it because it's already understood as part of the culture. So the way that we're taught is very clinical. It's very mechanical. Mm-hmm. But it assumes that you already know this. It's kind oh. of you it assumes you already because that the culture is so embedded, but we are here in the West and we see these ideas in Asian culture and in Indian culture and in all these and it looks mystical to us, but to them it's part of the culture. Yeah, and I, I think in the West, you know, for not being able to observe, it's it's more mechanistic, mm-hmm. like mechanical, right? You know, yeah. it's like you know, it's um, it works like machinery does, right? Without this emotional component, right? Oh my gosh, I'm having flashbacks of like Ghost in the Shell. <laughs> Wait, the the anime or the more recent one with Scarlett Johansson? Well, that was a great movie, and she did a good job, I think. Okay. <laughs> but I I was thinking of the the anime. I was definitely like really into the anime. But um, but going back to this concept of of emotions and spirit, and you know, we we have um a concept in in Chinese medicine that that you cannot separate the emotions from the body. Like we cannot separate emotions and spirit from the physical body. It's it's in and one of the same. Um, you mentioned epigenetics and you mentioned some of those ideas that are being popularized now in in some of the literature. Um, When you feel happy, 
you release serotonin and dopamine and all sorts of happy hormones in the body. Mm-hmm. Those have a physiological impact. I have a case study for you that I, I think is kind of an interesting way to... The best way to describe this is through case studies. I, I love case studies. I know. You, you definitely like get the best illustration. I had a patient, a female patient, that um, came in with severe sciatica. And, a, and, and this is pain down, see, the hamstring going up the, right. the lower so, back type thing. Yeah, so the sciatic nerve... Is uh, gets compressed by by a, a muscle that's in your in your rear yeah. called the piriformis mm-hmm. and like near the gluteus, and it will press on this nerve and this nerve innervates the entire leg going even down to the ankle and the toes, yeah. and so different types of sciatica, which often very frequently gets misdiagnosed as um, sciatica, and it's really what we call piriformis syndrome, which is inflammation of the piriformis compressing the sciatic nerve, but not necessarily damage to the sciatic nerve, which is what sciatica is. Um, but this woman had a diagnosis of sciatica, and it was a really tough case. And she was having a hard time in her life. Um, and when you say tough case, tough for her in the sense that she tried a bunch of yes. different remedies that didn't work. Right. She'd taken medication. She'd gone to ther- physical therapy. She'd gone to an orthopedic. You know, they're all anti-inflammatories. Like, there were all of these... Um, techniques that are used in, in Western medicine and, and she wasn't really getting great results, um, it would get a little bit better and then it would come back, get a little bit better and then come back. So it was a, a tough case, you know, to treat. And it was a tough case for me to, me to treat. She got a, a lot of relief that first day and then two days later, you know, it, it came back. Um, and this is a woman that was constantly having to walk and like in heels and doing work on her feet and, and uh, communicating and walking long distances and she had to travel, and which meant sitting on a plane for a long time, which is really bad for sciatica. You know, so, you know, she had even her environment like supporting this. So she would come and go and this was like about a month and a half, two months of treatment. Um, and she was getting better. Like she was like, okay, I can walk, I can get through my day, but man, I'm still in pain. Um, and then there were days that were worse than others. And I started noticing that, you know, that her mood would change. Just to maybe put a particular point, so she comes in, works with you. Right. You're putting these thin, near-invisible needles in yeah. her, activating her parasympathetic mm-hmm. nervous system. She's relaxing, and she's having reduction in pain over time. Right. And also, there's there's specific needle points, protocols for sciatica and for piriformis syndrome, which will release the muscle. So it actually make the muscle release if it's contracted, and it will also increase the blood flow and the access of, of fluids to very specific areas. So you're also doing protocols very specific to what she's got going on. So you're you're doing local treatments too. So it's not necessarily all meridian therapy that I do, which is what you're referring to, mm-hmm. like that kind of overall feeling of of, uh, of relaxation that then allows the body to heal. And there's also like kind of localized treatments that encourage a little bit more intensity of attention gotcha. of the body on those areas as well. Okay. Um, and it's, you know, it's helping and she's coming back and she feels better, but it's definitely not going away. I learned about a month through these treatments is that she's going through a divorce. Um, one word when I introduced you, you said mood. So yeah. divorce. Okay. Yeah. So she's like, you know, her, 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 you know, um, her sadness and her struggle and you know everything that was happening and she she was definitely repressing a lot of it because she's a professional woman that's on the go and traveling and needs to maintain her life and um 
in the meantime, like dealing with something very heartbreaking. Um, and money, you know, that was associated with that. And so there's financial burden, there's worry, there's, you know, heartbreak, there's all of these emotions tied up in this. Um, and so, you know, was able to talk to her a little bit about this and, you know, she was able to have some catharsis and talk about it. And the pain got a little bit better, you know, when she's able to kind of start releasing, but it was still there. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, I know she goes on a trip, she comes back probably like a month later. I haven't seen her for a month. She canceled an appointment and then she comes back. She comes, this woman comes in dancing almost. She's in no pain. You know, she's I'm, I'm thinking a, a Thelma Louise moment here. She's, but. yeah, <laughs> she's just like having this wonderful time and I'm like, Oh my gosh, you look incredible. What happened? She said, I met a boy. Uh huh. So all of a sudden, there's no sciatic pain. She can walk. Everything feels great. And she met a boy. She fell in love again. She met someone who found her beautiful and attractive and engaged again with that part of herself. I mean, I've been treating this woman for a couple of months and yeah. I see improvement. Yes, there's there's mechanical stuff. But what really changed it was her self-actualization of what was emotionally vexing her. Yeah. And, and so, it was amazing. And so combining mm-hmm. the emotional component that you're talking about, the psycho-spiritual mm-hmm. and touching into places that, you know, at the moment, you could not have provided mm-hmm. yourself, but it was able to pop up in her life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that, that, that in addition to the, the f- improvement of circulation yeah. and all those kinds of things that Absolutely. were happening, it was also the context in which her emotions were able to bubble up to the surface and we were able to have some catharsis and some discussion. And mm-hmm. she was able to connect with the fact that her emotions were present. And, you know, that really was... What changed it? And, you know, there's a man named Lonnie Jarrett, who's a very famous five-element acupuncturist. And he says, Western medicine is really great at fixing the physical body, like getting that the vessel, the machine, back in working order, like the mechanics. Acupuncture can do that and also helps the spirit reach its purpose and destiny. So there is an emotional component that cannot be separated from the process of acupuncture that allows people to access that that true authentic part of themselves mm-hmm. to to actualize themselves and to express themselves and that process in and of itself is extremely healing and is probably worth more than a lot of the mechanics because it is where the body needs to go when it tends toward that homeostasis and going mm-hmm. back to your premise of our natural state is peace you know yeah yeah it's a you know mm-hmm. i some people i talk to them and they'd say the natural state is peace this is not good enough for them ah. they're like <laughs> they're like no i, I want joy I, I want happiness i want bliss and and i tell them well i'm, I'm not the bliss advisor you know? <laughs> um but for me uh peace is is is, is a great starting point and I'd say you can you can access any place you want to go in terms of like you know your desired emotional spectrum if you're starting and say it's the hub the central point mm-hmm. being being peace um, and because I have found uh, where say when I say the natural state is peace it's really more of a constant mm-hmm. once all the other stuff gets 
taken care of and you've let go of things and what have you. And I found um, states made like joy or happiness, mm-hmm. bliss, more uh, not constants, they're more fluctuating. Mm-hmm. And so it kind of comes, comes and goes. Um, but the peace you can always return to. And, 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 and even the conversation, what I, I share with people, and it's more of a advanced concept and I, and I put it out there for them to consider it you know they don't have to hold on to it mm. you know at the beginning but I said you know that whole being present it means like you're in this moment and so if you're in this moment what is the characteristics what's the qualities of that moment mm-hmm. and invariably if they would describe it you know peace would come in and so if you're going to be more present you're going to be more peaceful and your existent moment to moment is going to be one of peace so I, I love that what you're saying really dovetails beautifully with with the five element system and and you said something about like joy and the happiness and even like creativity and some of these emotions that are they come and they go and they're perfectly adequate and that we really seek them out and we go back to that that concept of of peace as as being like the still point mm-hmm. you know um in chinese medicine those five elements have the five emotions too so so the the wood element which governs the liver and the gallbladder is the highest virtue of the wood element is benevolence Mm. and when out of whack the emotion is anger or frustration or irritation or irritability so Mm -hmm. it's like liver so when you have certain emotions um like anger then it's very likely that the pathology is going to the the liver gallbladder system Joy, you mentioned, is a fire element. So the highest virtue of the fire element is the, the kind of bliss that comes with connection. Mm-hmm. And there's a propriety to it. Like the, the fire type people are, are social geniuses. They're like, they're like the king of the slow clap. You know, like you got you to gotta know timing. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to read a room. You know, it's that propriety and be able to connect with everybody in there. So the healthy fire element gives you the ability to socially connect. And, to, and then there's that feeling of joy. Out of balance, the fire element is mania, like mm. madness. Ah, okay. You know, the earth element, the highest virtue is creation and nurturing, like Mother Earth. Out of balance, it's overthink, worry, and what I call whininess. Mm-hmm. Like the poor me. Clinical term. Right. Yeah. Clinical term. <laughs> whininess. Like the victim. The poor me victim. Yeah. Yeah. And it, and it's interesting because the earth element is about taking care of other people. But when out of whack, no one takes care of me. Mm-hmm. I do this for you. You don't do it for me. So you can... Uh, you can st- and then what happens? Digestive problems. It's how can you digest the world? How can you even... And the, the taste of the, ele- of the earth element is sweetness. Can you even extract the sweetness from your own life? Oh, if you okay. don't, then you'll crave sweet. You'll crave donuts. You'll crave these kinds of things. Oh, wow. So it's, the system starts to really unravel human behavior so elegantly. And it goes on for metal and, and water. But the point of the whole thing is that in the middle of it is this point of homeostasis, of balance or of peace. Yes. That we have access to all the five elements, that we can experience all of the different emotions. And, and we should. And we should. But come back to a point where there's, you know, like a balance of all of them, of having access to everything, but not being too far in any one direction is the concept of like of health yeah. and well-being. Yeah. yeah, 
Uh, it's a beautiful model. I mean, you're, you're mm. speaking, I, I mean, I was getting a, a mental mm-hmm. picture. image <laughs> picture yeah. of, um, I guess, I don't know, it's harder to describe, but say like, uh, like slats. And so like uh, just a mm. thin, maybe vertical length of something, but it's all of these elements and they're kind of like put necessarily at an angle together. And so you can see there's a, a center to it and um, you can see the, the poles, the mm-hmm. end of, of each one. And, you know, just imagining going through the range of these different things. So you, you want to go deeper? Would, would the inner peace advisor like to go deeper? Because <laughs> it's going to get juicy in a minute. I, 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 you I just would, nailed it. I, I would say, <laughs> can we? Please? Sure. So what is a liver but a vibration? Mm-hmm. And what is a wood element but the vibration of wood? And this, this is the concept of five element. And this is actually the concept of acupuncture. When you really want to go deep into the spirit of acupuncture, since we've opened the door, it's actually getting the body to vibrate yes. at a specific frequency that is healthy for all of the organs and all of the systems. And what you just described about the slats and the poles and the experience along a gradient, it's actually going through the different vibrations mm-hmm. of each of the elements and the different vibrations of each of the organs and the different vibrations of each of the emotions. Yeah. And that is that is what causes that whole concept of, of homeostasis and that the body in and of itself, we cannot ignore that we are subject to resonance because, first of all, we're mostly water and water carries vibration through it very effectively. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that whole concept of if you've got a room full of guitars and on one of them you pluck a G string, then that vibration will vibrate the G strings on all the other guitars. And we're the same. So if I'm standing in a room full of peace, I vibrate peace. If I'm standing in a room of anger, I vibrate anger. You know, like it's we are conduits and mirrors of that vibration. So what Chinese medicine, these philosophies and these diagnostic systems uh, aim to do is to allow to, to, to help manipulate through the through the treatments, through acupuncture treatments, the vibrations that actually need are needed and to encourage the body to vibrate at that healthy um, frequency for that particular issue. So that's really the, the the very esoteric crux of, of what acupuncture does. Yeah, this is this is wonderful. I really yeah. appreciate that explanation. Because mm. um, you know, in this path of helping people mm. get inner peace, mainly what I'm doing, I'm just I'm I'm taking everything in of the person, and so um, I'm hearing how they speak, you know, the tone of their voice, mm. you know, the weakness of it, the strength of it. Um, I'm looking at things such as like, you know, eye contact, the consistency of it. You know, there's, there's all this stuff going on with the face. You know, I think largely in the space of like micro gestures, mm-hmm. uh, they're leaning forward, leaning back. Um, and, um, you know, a, a lot to do with the, the, the presence of the conversation. But, but what I'm also able to pick up on, you know, largely is just, you know, how much of that vibration of peace someone is at. And it's, it's, it's me, it's like, it's very quick. It's, it's just boom, it just gets there. 
and then you know my process is, is a lot of just like asking questions and kind of creating movement with the questions to, to, to move them out of the range mm. that they're currently in in a variety of different different ways. So I'm sorry, I'm thinking out loud. Yeah, here. that's good. <laughs> no, <laughs> that's what you're saying. And I, and I think that's that's the the, the thing. I, I think what what uh, when you were talking, what came to mind is um, is it clear what vibrations are? Like what is that? You know, um, because that 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 jumps a lot, pretty quickly from the mechanics of stick a needle and there's a physiological response because there's damage that the body's going to attend to, which is, makes a lot of sense. It's very straightforward. Mm -hmm. But now, you know, we're going to introduce this concept of resonance and, you know, that's my energy touching the needle, the vibration of the needle inserted into the point in a channel that has a specific frequency. And how is that going to, you know, change the body? Um, that's where I feel in the West we we get to do a better job of of communicating examples of that that are in every day um, that we can understand it every day. Mm -hmm. You know. Yeah. So um, we may have just explored it, but you know, emotions, mm -hmm. emotion cycle, spiritual. Is there anything to say more in in that space? You know, apart from the fact that, um, you know, for, for those that, that have never tried acupuncture, um, it's, it's a really simple experience. Like it's, it, like, a, you know, there's so much to it because it's a, an old medicine with lots of philosophies and juicy things to talk about and diagnostic systems. And it's also extremely straightforward. I mean, you, you come in, you say what you've got going on, you lie on a table, the practitioner will feel your pulses in order to get an idea of what's happening in your body. We'll look at your tongue to see how your digestion has worked. You know, we'll physically examine the body just like other doctors, you know, you know, looking for something. And then it's just like, sit back, relax. You're going to have some needles in you and you're going to fall asleep for the most part. Hmm. You know, it's a very enjoyable process. Um, I think that it, it can It's so counterintuitive. Like, right? From the very beginning, like, needles in me. I know. No. <laughs> I know. And it's so funny. And I mean, trust me, when I first started this, I, I became a, a, an acupuncturist by accident. Like, I have been a, a botanist the better part of my life. I, I um, started studying plants when I was a little girl. And then I, I went to Tufts University and I, I was pre-med because that's what you do it's like you need a real job girl you know like go be a doctor <laughs> you're good at science you know it's either engineering or medicine and i didn't like math <laughs> the, 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 the botany was just something to occupy your time you know? right and well it was just i just love plants and yeah. i was always playing with plants as i was a kid and then like third year of, of pre-med i was like i hate this stuff like i'm like going to school with these kids from Long Island that want to be plastic surgeons and I'm just this hippie chick that's like friendly and wants to help people and I don't think I fit in and so I switched to environmental sciences and plant physiology and I actually became a botanist I got a master's in botany and I just I started actually studying the medicinal actions of plants and collecting them in the Amazon I worked for Missouri Botanical Garden I mean I went whole hog academia on botany ended up back in medicine because I was like, you know what? I'm going to be an herbalist. Like I'm going to go back to medicine, but I'm going to do it my way. 
people still had a fascination for you. Like I, you know, we'll, we'll get oh. finish this because I have to ask the yeah. question. Like, why are you doing this anyway? Um, in terms <laughs> of like helping people, mm. uh, and so but but before we get to that, yeah. yes. Please, botany. I'm gonna be herbalist. Yeah, and, and I and I I went and I figured out that I could get a license to be an herbalist. I could, could get creds, and in the state of Florida, I could just get this license and be a physician and use herbs to like, that would be my medicine. And I'm like, mm. perfect. This is so me. Um, but with credentials, like you know, with like it's, you know, I could put labels on, and I'd be like licensed. And You're stuff. just not selling. And well, Delion root out of your trunk, right? You know, like I'm not like I mean, it's and, and like no, no hating. Like I love the dandelion root tincture that I get at the farmers market. It's awesome, but uh, you know, I come with this concept of like being in academia and like kind of getting credentials for everything. So it's just the way I'm wired, and so here I am in this situation, and then I end up in this acupuncture program which is where Chinese medicine, it's like, that's the program in the state of Florida. So, so on, on your path, becoming a licensed herbalist. I ended up in it. One of the classic acupuncture. It's acupuncture. And, and then and the guy, he's like, yeah, no, we're going to study herbs. And you get to, it's a doctor of oriental medicine. It's like a big PhD. Like you're going to do all of it. And I'm like, yeah, I just want the herbs. Yeah. Like, no, yeah, no, no, it's okay. You just take all of it. And he just convinced me. And I'm like, all right. Okay. And so I'm sitting here in acupuncture classes and I'm like, well, this is great. And it's interesting. And I wanted to be an herbalist until I start my clinical rotations. And some of these Chinese doctors, they're amazing. Like people would come in with like a frozen shoulder that they couldn't move for weeks. And after an hour of like treating them, they've got like almost full range of motion. And I'm just, I'm looking at this and I'm like, I've never seen results like this. Mm. I'm like, okay, tell me more. And then I, I met my teacher. I went to a seminar up in New York and she was treating multiple sclerosis patients, people that had strokes. I mean, these were, Cases that Western medicine tends to, to marginalize because it's not a question of triage. Either they're chronic conditions and they're medicated mm -hmm. or there's really not an understanding of the ideology. So we don't have answers and there's research. But in the meantime, people are suffering. Mm -hmm. And she was able to bring them out of that. And that floored me. And that, that's, that's why I'm, it's Kiko. You know, that's why I became an acupuncturist because of her. And being able to affect that much change for one person in such a short amount of time, relatively, I'd never seen anything like it. So mm. yeah, that was the that was the the reason. And I also feel like for intellectuals, this is a great field because there's such a large body of evidence. Gives you a lot to think about. Oh my gosh, it gives you so much to read, <laughs> so much to learn. It's a lifelong journey, okay. and you get better as you get older. You don't get worse. You get wiser, and you get more information, and you don't you get better. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. So, so one, one question, or maybe like two. So it's kind of, you know, we, we, we all go on, on our journey. So mm. you, you're on this journey where largely, if I understand it, you are assisting other people achieve better health. And so clearly physical and in the work you, you see emotional, psycho, spiritual, um, and you have a keen interest in it. Um, but what's the, the origin of this? Like, why are you driven mm. to do this rather than, say, um, be a train conductor? <laughs> or something else? Yeah, right. Yeah. So I could be a lot of things. Um, I, I think that there's, there's something about, the, on a personal note, being an acupuncture physician, being this kind of doctor, gives me incredible amount of autonomy. Um, that's actually something I, I mean, I wanted to, to be a doctor, you know, uh, in Western medicine. I mean, I started, you know, pre-med and, um, 
many of my relatives even told me like, don't do it. Don't do it. It's the, it's not about, it's not what you think. <laughs> it's uh... not what you think. You know, it's complicated and there's a system and all that kind of stuff. And it, and I think, yeah, for some, to some degree, medicine has been um, kind of poisoned by a system that doesn't have people as its center. Yeah. Um, and for me, uh, I guess that's by all counts, everything I've ever done and achieved and experienced in this world has been in pursuit of knowledge and in pursuit of experience. So... I find it to be exciting. So, so you know? type seven. Yes, <laughs> type seven. Yeah, yeah. Christine and I had a, a whole conversation <laughs> on the Enneagram. So, any Enneagram fans out there, Christine is a, a type seven. I'm and, a seven. And I'm, I'm of course, horribly a type one. And that's, <laughs> I've got that to sort out. He's the nicest one you've ever met. <laughs> <laughs> He's a great one. <laughs> <laughs> I've succeeded at being type one almost. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I and I and I think it's it's that. It's it's being the seeker of of truth, the seeker of knowledge. Um and this is a field and an industry which is so wide and so huge that you really could look at it from so many different ways. There's a lot of latitude and a lot of liberty in how you go about uh helping people and, and treating people and what approach you take. And it's, it's a very ancient medicine. So they've thought of everything. So many different permutations of everything. Um, so yeah, there's just a lot in there to experience and to know. Um, and I also feel like at the end of it, um, I'm a purpose-driven person mm -hmm. and a value-driven person. And, and even I, I've been in different industries throughout my career. But in every single one of those industries, whether I, you know, I was in academia and I was... Um, doing environmental sciences and, you know, trying to um, study different plants that are rare or possibly going extinct, you know, that there, there was the concept of protecting the environment and, and, um, and our resources, um, which I feel very strongly about. And then in other uh, places, I, you know, I worked for government and looking at creating communities. You know, I, I ran a, a a department that was called community image where we would plant trees in neighborhoods that didn't have any and you know that had economic disadvantages and and created gardens and and outdoor spaces for kids to play in because and you know that actually improves society it is so i've always been in some value driven purpose driven employment um mm. and activity so it's just the way that i'm wired uh what i love about what i do is that it's one-on-one -on -one. And that it's just that you really get to know and connect with um, with a patient and with people. And, and people are fascinating. That's the other thing. I find people really fascinating. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. They are. You, you know, know? I, I started in, in engineering. And I guess there's, there's a problem-solving aspect to myself. And at some point it caught my attention that I said, you know, I think people, people are the most complex problem I could focus <laughs> my attention on. So... Let me let me do that. Yeah. So um, curiosity, right? Yeah. At the end of the day, it's like we're just really curious it, it, people. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and, and thank everyone for working with us. To, yeah. to help us <laughs> satisfy satisfying our, our curiosity. curiosity. <laughs> What's going on? Um, why everything? Um, so 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 people will know that there's actually an in in to this podcast, <laughs> this interview because it can go on. I I want to ask. One final question, which is, um, there may be many people listening to this that may not actually come to 
you and you wouldn't have that one-on-one. But what would you say to everyone listening, say your top health tip for people? So going back to that concept of resonance where, you know, we were talking about the, you know, vibrations and the, you know, the, the body is essentially uh, going to pick up on everything in your environment is, is that like clean up your environment as best as you can. Um, you know, uh, having your thoughts and the, and the expressions and the thoughts of the people that you spent time with, uh, your physical environment being something that brings you joy or soothing or, you know, it it makes you feel good. Mm -hmm. Um, your social connections and having them not isolating yourself, you know, surrounding yourself with what fills and nurtures you is the number one health tip that I can give you. Um, because when you feel fulfilled and nurtured by yourself and by those around you and by your environment, it's very unlikely that a lot of disease Mm -hmm. will actually occur in your body because you will be experiencing a balance, Mm. you know? So, so starting with that, um, and that's, you know, that's sometimes harder than, you know, than, than it is easier, you know, for, for condi- you know, specific uh, situations. But a lot can be said for your state of mind. Yes. Then the second thing, um, which is more of a, a behavioral thing, is to move your body. Hmm. So we didn't talk too much about chi, and maybe that can be another podcast that we can just specifically talk about chi. Take take two. Take two. We could do another one because that's a big topic. But chi is you know your vital life force, like your energy, your ability to 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 do things, like having the the force of to do things. Everything from being able to breathe and have oxygen in your body, and everything to move through your body and having the strength to to lift things and to do things. That's your chi. Chi must move. You must move your body in order to cultivate and for chi not to get stuck. Mm -hmm. So doing light exercise, either qigong, tai chi, walking, stretching, yoga, anything, even if it's jumping jacks or like breathing and lifting your arms up in the air, but moving your body throughout your life every single day is the second best thing you can do for it. Doesn't have to be rigorous, Mm -hmm. but it needs, there needs to be motion. Where there is inactivity, disease will begin. So chi yeah. must flow. Chi must flow. And then the last uh, tip that I will say is um, is your what you put in your body and, and that nutrition. So the same thing about like surrounding yourself with things that fulfill and nurture you is fill your body with things that that give you nutrients and um, and nurture you. Um, and it, I don't propose any particular kind of diet. There's so many and your body really does depend. Like it depends on what your body needs, how old you are, what your activity levels are, if you have any conditions. Another um, podcast, there's some called told, Ayurveda, you know. <laughs> yeah, like, and and there is a whole Chinese dietary therapy that yeah. you know we can discuss in another podcast that, um, you know, goes into very specifics. But at the end of the day, know that that the the quality of the food that you feed yourself, and the emotions that you have when you're cooking and consuming them, are going to impact your health. And if, if you move every day, if you eat nutritious food, and, and that includes hydration, you know, drinking a lot of water is also very good for you. Um, and also having, you know, uh, uh, your, your environment and your thoughts match and align your, you know, what you feel 
uh, that alone will keep you healthy. Like that, you, you know, there's really no magic bullet. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of it is is consciousness and being very present to what fulfills you. Um, and apart from that, you know, the body will naturally degrade over time. It's one of the things that, that is, it's, I'm sure that we can avoid it. And there's some like, whatever, 200 year old, ancient Asians that might be able to give us some tips but everyone I know I think Silicon Valley is working on this Silicon right Valley is working on it yeah. but everyone I know you know there's there's yeah as we get older we're our bodies degrade and um and the quality of the fuel and the activity that you do is going to help to reduce the the speed of that and, and then you know the rest of it definitely take care of yourself you know yeah, yeah focus on your on your self-care fantastic all right so in conclusion um I'm excited about acupuncture. Was when I came in the door, even more so now. Right. How uh, do people find you and get in contact with you to avail themselves of your services? Sure. Thank you, Dominic. So um, my website is treehouseacupuncture.com. And you can go there any time of the day or night. And at the top of the page, there is a button that says book now. And if you hit that, it goes to an online scheduling system where you can find a time that's convenient for you and you can book it yourself. And it's an automated system. I'll be able to get the message and you're also going to be able to communicate with me. Um, There is also a button at the top of the page that is an email, which is info at treehouseacupuncture.com. And feel free to email me if you have more questions or if you wanted to engage um, in any particular topic further. It's fantastic. Christina, thank you very much. Thank you so much, Dominic. This was super fun. I hope we do it again. We will. There's (laughs) there's tea. There's different ways to eat. So I think, you know, probably if we can get to like a half dozen podcasts, I think we'll... Scratch the surface. We'll be like 1% there. So, all right. Thanks again. Thanks. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Healerology. This podcast exists to make your life better. Before you go, I want to bring your attention to my four-week one-on-one coaching program. This program is for women who need dating results that are different and better than the ones they're getting. Let me help you with all of my tools of self-development, spirituality, and hundreds of client engagements to transform you into a woman that dates with confidence and joy and easily attracts the partner that is perfect for you. Dating can be fun, and you can be successful at it every time. To learn more, go to my Instagram at innerpeaceadvisor and click the link in my bio or just DM me. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of the Healerology Podcast. I greatly appreciate your time and presence. Please make sure you're subscribed to this show. Until next time, stay healthy and go within.